Well, good morning, church family. Uh, Welcome again to our time together on a Sunday morning on September 27th. And I really want to thank you again just every single week for taking the time and making the choice to join us. We say that every week because we, we really mean it. We really do appreciate and are thankful to the Lord for the choice that each one of you make to join us on a Sunday morning or whenever you're able to watch this, even during the week, and just to join us in worshiping and loving our living Lord. Um, So everybody, I want you to do this not like you believe it. I want you to do this because you believe it. And I want everybody in the room here, I want to hear it resounding. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Amen. I've really been personally just reflecting on that a lot this week. Uh, Just in the last couple of days, I've had some uh, rather lengthy communications with a couple of uh, good friends of mine, pastors in Haiti, and just hearing the stories about, frankly, how difficult things are right now down there. And it just, honestly, it breaks my heart. It just drives me to the Lord and drives me to the hope and the, 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 what we have, everything that we have in Jesus, and how he has blessed and provided us, and how we can use that to bless and provide for others. And I got an email this week also that I want to just share a little bit about. It was from Homes of Hope that we work with down in uh, Tijuana and Ensenada. And this email was telling a story about a young woman. Her name is Esperanza. Esperanza is 21 years old. Um, Homes of Hope, the organization down in Tijuana, built a house for uh, Esperanza and her family about seven years ago. Shortly before they built that home, Esperanza had actually attempted suicide. And she did that because her family was so destitute and so poor. At 14 years old, she made the decision that if she killed herself, there would be one less mouth to feed for her family. And she actually attempted suicide. That got the attention of the government who approached Homes of Hope, who really engaged. Both the staff at at, uh, YWAM as well as a team came down and just engaged with this family before and after the build and poured love into this family and just bringing them out of poverty in the name of Jesus Christ. Not too long after the house was built, a team had gone out to visit them again, and they were gone. The house had been sold. They heard from a neighbor that the father had gotten into debt, had gone back into drugs, had to sell the house, and they had moved down to Mazatlan. Eventually, the father had abandoned the family. So this is seven years later. Esperanza is now 21 years old. She's the mother of a two-year-old special needs child. But she, from the moment that that house was built and broke her heart to have to move down to Mazatlan, had kept the photograph. After each build, there's a photograph taken of the family with the team that built the house. And she had hung on to that photograph for seven years and had hung on to the faith that she had put in Jesus Christ for that seven years. And she would look, she shared that she had looked at that photo so many times when she simply needed to feel encouraged, to feel like life was not hopeless, to feel uh, just the, the impetus to move forward. At this point, she had gone to university. She was getting ready to graduate with a nursing degree. And she had taken a 24-hour bus ride up to Tijuana specifically to come back to the YWAM staff to say thank you 
to say thank you for the work that had been done seven years ago and what a difference that had made in her life and in her faith. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we love, a God of hope, a God of provision, a God of love. And so as we join together today in worship, in uh, scripture, in teaching, worship that God. Join and come and invite that God of hope and, and joy and love to penetrate your heart, to penetrate your mind today with the truth. So would you just join me as we pray for our time together today? Father, thank you. Thank you so much for giving and sending your son, for sacrificing he who you loved so deeply to come to this earth, to take our sin upon himself, to die on the cross. Thank you for raising him from the dead and bringing him to glory, Lord, and in that, giving us your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just commit ourselves to you again this morning. We give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you our bodies. We tell you that we love you more than anything in this world. We invite you to come and speak to each one of us individually, Lord, through worship, through teaching, through everything that takes place this morning. Come, speak to us, change us, make us more like your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to hand it off to Randy for the uh, offering prayer. Thank you and good morning to everyone. I uh, wanted to remind everybody that we do take mail at 1290 Grand. We have a mail slot in the door for your giving. We have links on the website and on the app for online giving purposes. And I just want to encourage all of you as we, this is so unnatural for us online exclusively, remembering a history throughout my life in church of passing plates and passing bags and seeing everyone and having this opportunity to be here in person to do that. You all have been so, so obedient to what the Lord has put on your hearts in concern for giving. It is so appreciated. His kingdom works continue. And it's, it's always ironic when I think of all of the various ways to do it. And I've got Mom and Dad, I've got your giving right here. You send it to the house, and I'm happy to bring it in. It's such an honor and privilege to do that. And thank you for instilling in me the importance of giving what the Lord puts on my heart. And I want to encourage everyone that has children, make them a part of that, even in this new way. If you give online, by all means, bring your children in and show them the importance of that. If you're coming to the church, bring them with you. Bring them to the mail slot so we can see them on the doorbell camera. It's such a, such a pleasure, it's such an honor to see how you're raising your children and doing these things. And I just, uh, you're doing an awesome job. Let's, let's pray for the giving at this point. Father, we are so, so grateful for the resources that you put on the minds and the hearts of those that are giving to you. We praise you and thank you for the opportunity and the, uh, the ability to, to lead and to guide in those areas as these resources come in on your behalf, that we seek your wisdom in all things and expenditures and budgets. It is such an honor and a privilege to serve you in that regard and have that, uh, your trust instilled in us to facilitate these funds and, and the, the giving of so many. We just praise you and thank you. We praise you and thank you and ask you to bless those that are, are, are giving and for the entire church family, Lord, that you would, they would feel your presence and that they would feel your call. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Today's psalm reading is Psalm 33, 20 through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. So once again, this this morning our prayer is that <laughs> is that you would worship in spirit and truth and that as we read this song, that uh, our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And so as we sing this song, Holy is the Lord, pray that you would fix your eyes on Jesus and that you would remember that our hope is in Jesus, not in the things of this world that will fade away, but in Christ alone.
church family. Miss you. Bye. Well, good morning, church family. I hope you guys could hear that. Could they hear that? Yeah? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for uh, Sharon, Christine, and Russell. Uh, Sharon, good morning. And uh, saying hi to all of us here this Sunday. And uh, just a, r- a reminder for that as well, if, if you want to say hi and say hello to us, we'd love to see you guys. And even if it's better to do that on a Wednesday, uh, which is when that was taken, the Wednesday at the well, we'd love to have you do that. Um, and as we like to do, it is our uh, meet and greet. So we encourage you guys to get your phones out. Um, of course, if it's not going to be a disturbance to those you're uh, texting or emailing, uh, like we mentioned last week. So we just want to encourage you guys, as we are the church, and you know, even though we may not be with each other often, we still get to love each other uh, and just be the church together. So just encourage you guys this morning as we're meeting and greeting. Um, and now Tyler's got some announcements for us. Thank you, birthday boy. Um, if you don't know, it is Jordan's birthday today. He turned 31, and he shaved his beard if you didn't notice, so he looks like a young man, but he is 31. So during the meet and greet, everyone send Jordan a text wishing him happy birthday and blow his phone up. He would love to hear from everybody that is watching. And if you want his number, it's area code 805. No, I'm kidding. You, but you, you can find his email on our website, and you, I encourage you to wish him a happy birthday because we are a church family here. So, and having that in mind, we, um, last Wednesday was just great. It was off the hook, like I like to say, on um, Wednesday at the well. We just gathered, we sang, we dove into God's word. It was just a great time of fellowship. So, the next time we have Wednesday at the well, please come and join us. I mean, we're running out of sunlight very soon, so we're trying to cram it all in. So, please come and join us the next time we have, and we will be announcing the date. Also, I want to um, announce another, our church family, um, Emily and Travis got engaged. And there's a picture of them on a horse that's up at Thatcher. So, they're going to be getting married um, next year in April. So, just if you happen to have their number, just congratulate them. They're just an awesome couple that love the Lord so much, and they just, they're looking forward to getting married. So wish them um, happy engagement. Also, too, for the church family, we have another addition. Andrea and Graham Black had a little baby boy, um, Levi Isaiah Black. He was born on the 19th, which was Vinny's birthday. So that, that was very nice of you to do that. Um, and he's great. He is eight pounds, 20 and a half or 20 and three quarter inches long. So he's a big boy. So that's great. And with having that in mind, um, he'll be joining Kingdom Kids very soon. So we are going to hear from Kingdom Kids now. And oh, 
I'm wearing a wonderful, beautiful velvet robe with beautiful jewels. Isn't that what all rulers wear? Hey, do they always ask what we're wearing? Hmm. Well, he sounds wonderful. The Bible, the best way to make the wisest decision. Hi, Kingdom Kids. Hey, did you know that if you follow God, he will make your paths straight? Yes, well, think of this. When you and your family hop into the car to go someplace, you take the shortest route possible. No one drives 10 miles out of the way to go to a place that's only a few blocks over. You take the quickest route possible. Now, can anyone tell me what the shortest distance is between two places? Right, it's a straight line. And what school supply makes the best straight lines? Right again, it's a ruler. Rulers are an important tool in our backpack. They help us measure distance, but they also provide a straight edge that helps us connect the dots in the shortest, most direct route possible. Now, rulers are also a great reminder of today's scripture, a verse that tells us how we can find the straightest and best path to live our lives. King Solomon of the Bible says to trust the Lord with all our hearts instead of leaning on our own wisdom. We need to lean on God. The way our pencils lean against our rulers when we draw straight lines. Just like a ruler gives you a guide in centimeters or inches, the Bible gives you a guide for knowing God. A ruler lets you make a straight line. The Bible tells you how to live your life down a straight path. We can pray anytime, anywhere, and God will help us see the straight path. He won't let us go astray if we lean on him and ask him for directions. Remember that. God is always on your side. Lean on him and ask him for directions. He's always there for you. Check us out on Kingdom Kids Online for more about this lesson, a lot of videos, and a lot of activities. And you'll learn how to keep your straight path towards God. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. It is great to be with you once again, and I uh, look forward to our time as we continue through the book of Ephesians. If you are just joining us, we uh, have been uh, working our way through the book of Ephesians, and particularly uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we have some foundational verses as we've been looking at what it means to put off the old man and put on the new man in Christ. And I just want to share sort of the foundational verses from Ephesians 4, verses 20 to 24. Remember, the Apostle Paul is writing to believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding regions, talking about how they are now to walk in newness of life in order to glorify God. So uh, verse 20 says this, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And we've been talking about this process of putting off and putting on, looking that it's a heart issue. And I was reminded uh, in some conversations I've had uh, this past week that putting off 
and putting on sometimes is, is challenging. It's challenging. And I'm so thankful for those of you who share with me, you know, how God through the Holy Spirit, through his word, is speaking to your hearts about the specific areas that we've been covering. Uh, and it's all part of sanctification, it's all part of sanctification. And, you know, no one said it wasn't going to be painful. You know, it's just part of it. And, and I was reminded yesterday morning uh, about uh, sort of a, an event, uh, an incident happened where I was reminded how painful things can be to put off, uh, but how happy you are once things are off. So uh, yesterday morning, uh, my wife and I were uh, going to head down to the beach to watch Vinny and his friends surf. And I had parked my car uh, in front of my house. There's a hedge. On, there's a sidewalk, then a hedge, then the street. And I don't park there a lot. Uh, but yesterday I, uh, I had. And so uh, if you were uh, up yesterday morning, you know there was a lot of dew and everything. So we get in the car. I turn it on. And there's cars covered in dew. So I have a squeegee. And so oh, yeah, I'm going to squeegee the back window. So I go to the back. And I do the driver's side back window. And then I walk around the back and... I start doing the, uh, the rear window on the passenger side, and I noticed, you know, I had noticed that some things were flying around, and I'm like, didn't pay any heed. And suddenly, my ankles are on fire. And I thought I had stood in front of the um, exhaust pipe or whatever, but no. Apparently, the exhaust or whatever had uh, awakened uh, a, a, what do you call it, a nest of yellow jackets. And these yellow jackets had decided that they weren't happy with me for waking them up that early and uh, proceeded to, uh, you know, I showed Tyler in my office. My, my left ankle is the size of a tennis ball on both sides, and my right ankle is, is uh, not as bad. Uh, but last night, you know, he's still trying to move it a little bit. So these things are on me, and what do I do? I, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm getting swarmed. I go back into the car, and lo and behold, a few of them follow me into the car, and my wife's sitting there. So, you know, we try to pull away to get away from them. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when your legs are getting fired on, when you're trying to drive, you understand how people literally can get in accidents. So we live on the corner, so I'm trying to get around the corner, and my, they're just going at it on my ankles, and I pull over, and we're doing this. I'm trying to do this. I get out, and then uh, we turn around, and I look over, and one's crawling into my wife's hair, and so she jumps out. We go back into our cul-de-sac. She jumps out. She's doing this in the middle of the street. I can only imagine what the neighbors are thinking, right? And, uh, you know, you sit there and go, wow, not the way we planned to start our morning, uh, but I thought of that. I'm like, you know, I just wanted those things off of me. I, I just wanted those yellow jackets off of me. And, and I'm like, you know what? That was a great illustration of putting off. You know, there was nothing. I, I wasn't just going to play with it and say, hey, that's kind of cute. You know, or no, I really like this yellow jacket. He's my pet. I'm going to keep him. No, the yellow jacket was inflicting pain, causing swelling, and it just needed to go. And I think about that in light of what we've been going through, that, you know, we're talking about putting off and the challenge, because sometimes we'll hear something, we're like, yeah, we've been talking about a lying and anger, and we might say, yeah, you know, I really need to put those off, but why do we, why do we let them linger? Why don't we have that same intensity <laughs> to get, to get lying and, and, and 
rage off of my ankles as much as I wanted those yellow jackets off, right? And, and we've really seen that, that as much as we may understand these areas that we've been looking at, even the one we're going to talk about today, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue, right? Uh, John fourteen fifteen, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? We looked at this quote a, a couple of weeks ago. The quality of our obedience is a direct reflection of our love for Jesus. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Why would his commandments seem burdensome? Right? What, what, what's going on there? And, and Joseph Stowell says, It is the love of self that stands in the way of loving Christ. So as we're working through uh, this process of putting off and putting on, and Paul has gotten really practical, what's really underlying it, and I believe what, what really can help you and help me identify the challenge of why I want to keep this part of my old self, it's a heart issue. It's something that I'm used to, something I like. I don't know if, you know, it's weird to say I love this, but... You know, the way I grew up, whatever it might be. And, and so underlying all of this, I just bring us back to Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And, and then out of that love, his commands aren't burdensome. Think about that. Isn't that a radical shift in how you view God's word and God's commands? They're not burdensome. I want to. Right? The, the have to versus the want to. Where does that come from? I just love the Lord. I just love the Lord. I just want to glorify him. I just want to please him. I just want, you know, to be a witness. I just want to. I just want to think about that person in your life that you love, right? That you love. And all the things you do self-sacrificially that you don't consider a burden, right? Why don't you consider it a burden to bless that person that you love because you love them, right? And that's the heart as we continue to move through this. Because if we don't understand that it's from love going out into how we manifest our walk with Jesus, quite honestly, we can shift this list that we're going through into duty, almost works, maybe legalism if you're not careful, and suddenly you go back to seeing Christianity as a bunch of don'ts. Don't lie. Don't rage and anger versus, no, you know what? I want to be a person of truth because that glorifies the Lord. I want to handle, when I get angry, I want to handle it biblically because that glorifies the Lord. And today we're going to move one verse uh, further into Ephesians 4, verse 28. It says this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that He may have something to share with anyone in need. In the NIV, it says this. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that that he may have something to share with those in need. Now, it's really interesting. Remember, context. Paul is writing this letter to the believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding regions. Why would he say... Hey, thieves, don't steal anymore. Well, because thieves were getting saved. Thieves were getting saved. And also, people, again, just like in our culture, 
Maybe you weren't a thief as your livelihood, but it wasn't uncommon for slaves to maybe take a few things from their households. And you know what? Slaves were getting slaved. So it it wasn't just this criminal element that he's addressing. He's talking to believers. Believers in the church who, in varying capacities, have been stealing. Isn't that interesting? So in, in, in some ways, he's talking to us. And they would have been familiar. It's very interesting. Uh, one of the commandments, Exodus twenty fifteen, you shall not steal. They would have probably been very familiar with that, right? If they're from a Jewish background. And yet he needs to say in 428, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, right? He, he's addressing this issue of theft to believers, and so we, we have to kind of go, okay, what is he really talking about and who does this apply to? And I'm going to encourage you, if you're at home or, you know, for us here, you're going to be maybe tempted to check out right now because in your mind you're honest and you don't steal and you don't shoplift and this is probably good for so-and-so to hear, right? And Yeah, Randy's pointing to Bill. So, you know... But I'm going to encourage you, don't check out. Because what we're going to deal with, you're going to see towards the end, this is really a heart issue about are you a getter or a giver? There's, there's a deeper principle in your life. Do you live your life to get, get, get? Or to give, give, give? You're going to see, if you read this whole verse... He's leading up to a very hard, a very hard and in one sense very direct challenge to the, to, the, to the church. What's your motive? What's your motive for going to work? And we're going to be challenged by the end of this verse. Why do, you, why do you accumulate money? Just for you? We're going to see that, right? And so I was thinking about, you know, theft and what he's saying, and I thought in broad terms, well, well many of us associate it maybe with shoplifting, yeah, and, and so I just was doing, you know, some surveying on the on the web there. Uh, one uh, website says more than thirteen billion dollars worth of goods are stolen from retailers annually. This would probably be pre-pandemic, of course, right? Since the malls and everything are closed, thirty-five million dollars a day. Isn't that crazy? Also says fifty billion dollars are lost annually due to employee theft and fraud. The employees, right? Made me think of the slaves and the households and the context of the apostles. It's, it's not the, the criminal element coming in. It's within. It's within, right? The National Association for Shoplifting Prevention. I, that was a new organization I found out about. They say that approximately 1 in 11 Americans shoplift. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm watching you. <laughs> One in 11. I mean, I was like, what? What? Now, now here's another thing that, that's interesting, too. And I'm sharing this with you to kind of broaden our idea, because we may have read this verse and skipped over it, because it's, it's a very narrow definition. He says, there's a book called The Steal, and the statistic in this book is, they cite a study that finds Americans with incomes of 70000 a year shoplift 30% more than those earning up to 20000 Higher income people shoplift more than lower income 
If you're making seventy thousand, your that demographic is shoplifting thirty percent more than those making twenty thousand. You know why? We steal, we shoplift for what we want, not necessarily what we need. Right? Pretty powerful. And then um, this final uh, article entitled "Why Entrepreneurs Should Worry." It says. A full 95% of employees steal from their employers, according to a 2013 anonymous survey of 500 retail and service industry employees by Kessler International. That's up from 79% in 1999. Do those figures sound a bit high to you? They're more believable once you realize you could be part of the problem, at least according to Kessler's methodology. The survey counted personal use of a computer or phone during work hours as time theft, something 80% of workers admitted doing. Time theft? Ooh. So suddenly Ephesians 4.28 gets a little more real, even in the context of 2020. Who knew? Who knew that when he said, hey... When he said, let the thief no longer steal, he might be talking about using your phone and computer on work hours. (laughs) Wow. Wow, and that's what I'm saying. Don't let that verse initially dismiss it because you feel like you perceive yourself as generally honest. No, this this is a heart issue, right? The definition of... uh, Theft or stealing, right? Broad sense, to take something that belongs to someone else. To take secretly and without permission. That could be material, financial, or intellectual property. Depriving someone of their property without giving them true value in return. Okay? It's interesting, uh, the Greek word, klepto. What what do we get? Kleptomaniac. Kleptomania. What is that? One who habitually takes what is not his. So it's interesting as I'm studying this, and I'm I'm actually being challenged in a broader definition of theft, the heart level behind it. And then think about this for a moment. The fall was a form of theft. I never saw what Eve Adam and Eve did as stealing, but in Genesis 2.16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day of it, they that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 3.6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve were thieves. (laughs) I mean, wait, what? What was at the core? Well, they they knew specific. Don't take that one. They took it without permission. Right? And you're like, wow. I'm sitting there like, wow, I never. uh, So there's got to be something driving it. That, you know, that's connected to the fall. So there's something big going on here that they would feel that they could steal this fruit after being directly told not to. Right? Theft. What's going on? Well, uh, Jeremy Meyer says this. The root attitudes behind stealing is most often selfishness and laziness. It's selfish because it is the desire to have, to possess what I want. 
Stealing is all about me and my desires. It shows a complete lack of respect for others and their possessions. The thief says, I alone matter, nobody else counts. Stealing also comes from laziness because ultimately the thief dislikes work. He despises honest labor. His idea is to have the maximum while doing the minimum. You see the heart behind that? That's why as I was working through this, I was like, okay, can't dismiss this because there's a lot in my life where I'm selfish driven. I want the maximum for the minimum, right? I can think back in my life where, you know, you take shortcuts and you, you know, fudge a little here and there to get what I want. You know, the root of it is selfishness. And then I was thinking, well, how else, you know, what else is there an example of, of sort of theft or stealing uh, other than just, you know, robbing someone or taking something from Circle K, right? Well, it's interesting, in the book of Malachi, the Israelites had kind of wandered away from God, right, and doing their own thing, kind of hardened heart. And an issue comes up, and in Malachi 3.8, it says this, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. So they're keeping money. They're not fulfilling the law. And remember, this is a con- that, that's very important. Malachi 3, that's contextual to the law and in that time, right? We know that in the New Testament, our giving is generous, joyful, cheerful. But in this context, God calls them out. He says, hey, you know what? You know, you're supposed to give 10%, right? And the tithe was produce, livestock, money. There was, there was a requirement. They're keeping it and not meeting the 10%. And suddenly God says, you're not just keeping the 10%. You're robbing me. What a powerful way to reframe disobedience in this area. Right? And, and I was thinking about that. Like, Lord, in my life, are there areas where I just kind of choose out of comfort and convenience not to fully give you everything? And I rationalize it. I justify it. But Lord, am I robbing you in that area? Is that, is that not giving you what you're due? What is already yours? Isn't that interesting? We say, oh, you know, everything we have comes from God. He owns it all. And yet, in this area, the heart area, we're just holding on to it. And we just give them a little bit, right? And, and again, this isn't a message on tithing and offerings and giving. But what I was reading, you know, statistically, if the church did give generously and cheerfully... There'd be no financial problems, like global church-wise. Global church-wise. And then what a powerful way to reframe it. Maybe if you, in the area of giving, are struggling with it, maybe if you reframe it, like, Lord, am I robbing you? What? what what's going on here? What's my heart issue? And that's not a guilt trip. That's just honest. Like, it's all yours. You know, and we, and we did great teaching here on giving uh, recently. And, you know, we realized 10%. God might call you to give way more than 10%. That's the heart of the New Testament. Well, Jesus gave it. Lord, I just, it's all yours. Take it. It's all yours, right? That's what he's talking about here. And so uh, as we're looking at this, you know, thieves no longer steal. You see, uh, you know, the garden. You see in Malachi. Other examples that came across is just not putting in a full day's work. Just 
real simple, just not putting in a full day's work, you know? You punched in, you punched out, but what'd you do by the time you <laughs> punched in and punched out, right? Uh, doing shoddy work. You know, it's kind of, your boss is paying you for a certain level and you kind of just squeak by with the bare minimum, eh, right? Not paying back debt. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one: the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. You have debt and you know you're just not going to pay it back, right? How about being dishonest in your business practices to increase the bottom line, the profit? Proverbs 11.1, 1, the Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. Right? Back in the day, in the context, they would use scales to weigh out things, and the merchants would sort of fudge them a little bit. Why? To increase the bottom line. Kind of stealing, kind of theft, right? What about cheating on your taxes? Right? Mark twelve seventeen. Well, then, Jesus said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. Right? Are we honest in that area? Even in the area of giving the Caesar the taxes that he's due, right? And so we look at that and we go, what's going on? Because remember, Paul's talking to the church here. He's talking to the church. And in Mark 7, 21 to 23, it says, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murdery, murder, adultery, coveting, Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Theft is in that list. Right? And again, what, what is really going on behind the definition of theft? Elevation of self. Trying to gain something I selfishly want at the what? At the expense of somebody else. See, theft is injurious to relationships. Destroys trust and all of that, even within the church. So it's about me elevating self, something I want, something I see, something, you know, I'm going to get no matter what. And other people no longer matter. The elevation of self. Proverbs 4.23, you've seen this verse here before. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Right? So this first phrase in this verse, what do we do with that? Well, Fundamentally, it's a heart check this morning. It's a heart check. Remember, he's speaking to the church. So if, if you, you know, profess to be a follower of Jesus, heart check this morning is, how are you doing in this area? Have you been excusing some little fudgings here and there at work, at home? And, and you know, the Bible says there's nothing hidden from his sight, so he knows but we get comfortable and we start excusing it. You know, that, that whole time theft. Whew. Being on your phone at work or computer, you know, and never framed it in terms of theft. I just thought I would take a break. You know, extended lunches, <laughs> extended breaks, right? And, and what's behind all this? Again, we want to be people of integrity, you know, one of the ways you'll stand out on, uh, at work is simply by having a heart that doesn't want to steal. That's going to put in a full day's work. That's going to, you know, when you punch in and punch out. And you know what happens when you do that? You feel good about you. 
You don't, you're not hiding anything. You have no guilty conscience. You know you left that day shift and I earned my wages. So, you know, there's an issue of if you're a believer. Now, the, the converse is, and this is where, you know, again, we talked about this in the other areas. If you really are unrepentant and it's a pattern of life and you have no desire to change and it is what it is and this is, I encourage you really seek the Lord about where you stand with the Lord, okay? And, and talk to somebody. If, if, if this may be, this is one. You know, we talked about lying. We talked about anger. Maybe for somebody listening, it's the area of theft. In whatever way that God is speaking to you. And you know it. God knows it. And maybe he just wants you to talk to somebody. Just reach out. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you about that. Why? Because... The areas that we've been talking about, again, lying, anger, and now theft, what is it? It's an issue of faith. There's an issue, a big issue of faith and trusting God in this, okay? It might also be, if you're a believer, a heart check is that you kind of got caught up with the things of the world, right? Remember, the higher income people still more than the lower income, statistically. Why? Because the higher income people tend to be caught up more in the things of the world, And even in the church, maybe your heart has become worldly in the sense of, right? You wanting these things. 1 John 2.15, do not love the the world or the things of the world, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, right? Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where neither... Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So maybe, church, this morning we need to take time out. And maybe God's, again, just doing a heart check. Where's your heart? Is it the things of, things of the Lord or the things of the world? First Timothy 6. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. And are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So where are you at with, with money? The love of money in your life. You know, because if, if you're loving money and you want to get, you know, the stuff and all the toys, the temptation to steal going to be there, right? Versus Hebrews 13, it says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Okay? So where are you in the area of contentment this morning? Are you content with what God is providing? Are you content? Okay, And then it goes back to, again, faith. Are you trusting in God's provision? And I understand, you know, in the economic situation of the world, and maybe in your particular situation, sometimes we get fearful of God's provision. And sometimes when the fear creeps in, we feel like we have to act. And the temptation to, to just do a little thing, Right? Can become great. Matthew 6, 
uh, 31 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay? So this morning, just in this first phrase, it's a heart check. Where are you? On a lot of different levels. When it comes to faith, to trust, to contentment, to the things of the world, where's your heart? All right? You may not be literally going out today with the intent to go steal something from rains or wherever you're going to be, right? But it's much deeper than, than just actually lifting something from a retail store, okay? So again, Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So, again... If you didn't check out of let the thief no longer steal because you're not a thief and you just said, ah, keep moving. There's a whole other half to three quarters of this verse, right? And then he says, okay, it's not just about not stealing. Again, a lot of us view Christianity as a bunch of don'ts. No, the last three verses, have it's, there's a don't, but then there's a big do. And now we're getting into the big do. It says, but rather... Let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, right? Ray Stedman says this about the don't part. Many Christians stop right here in their Christian experience and expect the world to be amazed, to be impressed by this fact that we don't steal. Okay, that's what he's talking about. We are honest. We do not steal. We do not deprive another of his property. There are many Christians who have reached only this stage. They are honest. They do not steal. But no one is impressed. Why? Well, because that is only half the process of living as a Christian. That is putting off the old. But go on, put on Christ. Right? There's a lot of wonderful people in this community who aren't believers that don't steal, that are very honest, don't lie, handle their anger well. Right? You understand what I'm saying? So you're like, I'm, I'm good on the don't part. And the world's like, yeah, so are we. Then it gets, if we keep reading and we put on the new part, this is where the world goes, what? Right? Because he says that we're to let him labor. Now that word labor means hard work, toil. Okay? Hard work. And it says, doing honest work with his own hands. Okay? So that. And this is, so that is called a term of purpose. Okay? So we're not to steal. We're to work really hard with our own hands. Right? Honest work, but why? Why should we work hard? And why should we want a promotion? And why should we want a salary or whatever you want? What's the why? Well, here's the why, and this is the supernatural whoop. Flip it upside down. Look what he says. So that, in the ESV... So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay, I got to be honest with you. And you know my story. I grew up successful in school, went to UCLA, thought I was going to be an attorney. I was on the track that all of that academics 
and law school and everything was so that I could get a good job and get a lot of money so I could buy stuff I wanted. That was the track. Isn't that the American dream? Go to school, get a good job, get a good salary, therefore get a good house, a good car, 2.5 kids and whatever animal, cats and dogs, right? It's like this whole track was, I'm going to work really hard so that I get more stuff. And I live comfortably. And I can retire. Nothing on the retired here and here. But, right, a lot of our mindset, we're raised in the American culture that I'm going to work really hard because it's about me. I reap the benefit of my hard work. And then if we're not careful, we get angry or we start to resent those that we don't see worked as hard or those in need. And it's like, well, I worked really hard for this. Why should I give what I worked really hard for? Well, why should you? Um, I only put up 428. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The purpose of working hard and accumulating resources is so that you can give it away. That's the mind boggler for the world. You know, and at this point I would say, okay, put your jaw back up. Because <laughs> some right now, your world just went boop. You're like, what? You mean, it's not about me getting a good job so I can get that house that I wanted. And I could get that car that I've been dreaming of. That the picture's on the refrigerator. And that we can travel. And that we can get, you know, I can dress nice. And I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. No. It's not about accumulating and working hard for your own benefit. It doesn't mean you won't reap some of that. Not at all. We're not saying that at all. But what we're saying is at the core, the Apostle Paul says, Hey, if you've been living a life of a thief and you've been finagling because it's all about you and you're a getter by any means possible, even stealing, in Christ, work really hard. But not for you anymore. <laughs> Work really hard so you can give it away to people. How crazy is that? It would have been enough, I believe, for some to say, for him to just say, don't steal anymore, get a good job and work hard. That would have been enough of a challenge. He didn't have to add the so that. So that you are in a position to bless others. That's the testimony. It's the generosity. It's, the, it's all God's. And if God's going to bless me, it's not just for my kingdom. It's for his kingdom purposes. And this is why I got to tell you guys, you know, when, Lord willing, we're all together again. And we're enjoying this facility as a church family. Understand, it's because of the generosity and the giving of the church who understood that it's God's money. He's given them. We're just stewards, and we're going to give it away. Even building houses in Mexico. It doesn't have to just be the well. I'm talking about giving it away as God brings people into your life. Mission, the I Am Choir, all these things. The root of the issue is I work really hard so I can bless others in need. Do you see that, that, you know, we start with, well, I'm not a thief. 
And the real issue is, well, what's your real motive? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you going to that school? Why do you want that promotion? Let's just be honest. Well, and, and again, there is nothing wrong with reaping the benefit of your hard work. Okay, this isn't an anti-wealth message. This isn't like, a, you know, sell everything. And I'm not saying that at all. This is a heart issue, just like giving is a heart issue. When God blesses you in your career and you move up, it's just a greater opportunity to bless more. Right? Out of what he puts on your heart. I think of the widow's might. You know, Mark, when you did that offering thing, still sticks in my head. God knew her heart and she was giving out of what she The abundance of her little was still abundant in the heart level. That's what we're talking about. Her heart was right. And so Ephesians 4.28 is really about, hey, you who have been living a life of getting to the detriment of others and to the destruction of relationships, you who have been all about you, I want you to work really hard now so that you can start being a giver. That's what 4.28 is about. Are you living your life as a getter or a giver? That's what's going on in this verse. And that's why it's a supernatural act of God. Amen? That is why it's a supernatural act of God. Because when we work really hard, and we get that paycheck, and we feel we earned it, and we worked really hard, therefore I deserve that boat, or I deserve that, right? Suddenly the things we want are things we deserve. And now we're, now we're sort of inconvenienced by the needs of the church and the world around us. That's a heart check. That's a real heart check moment for us, right? Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Powerful. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Just a great summary of this verse, right? And Acts says this, Acts 20, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Apostle Paul role modeled it. Working really hard here. What? To bless others. More blessed to give than to receive. 1 John 3.16. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's the heart of this passage, really. If I'm living as a getter, you know what happens? My heart gets hardened. It can just get hardened. And we're looking around and we see needs all around us. But in this verse it says, yet closes his heart. Our hearts get closed. We get hardened. We get numb. And there's a great question at the end of that. How does God's love abide in him? It's a love issue. It goes all the way back to heart. All the way back to love. Right? 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. So what does that do? It brings us right back to the cross. It brings us right back to the cross. Jesus laid down his life. 
And so as we prepare for communion, Vinny, you can come on up and we'll prepare for communion. Where are you this morning? Sure, maybe you haven't stolen anything recently. But in your heart, honestly, how much of your life, my life, is about me, us, getting, accumulating for our own wants, for our own comfort, for our own convenience, whatever you would call it. And so we prepare for communion and we remember Jesus emptied himself. And we remember Jesus' ultimate act of self-sacrificial love was going to the cross. So how can I, how can we as the church have this heart of giving Well, we go back to the cross. And we remember that this morning our names are written in the book of life, that we're new creations, that we're in Christ. Why? Because Jesus emptied himself and gave. Gave his life for you, for everyone here. And so if you're struggling with this I'm like, oh, it's all, you know, I get, 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 get. I don't know if I can give. I don't know if I can do that, Lord. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just feeling like really like, oh, it's, it's. Go to the cross and let God's grace remind you of how much he gave you when you didn't deserve it. We all had the ultimate need, salvation. And Jesus came, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he came and he died, rose again. Because God loves us. God loves you. And if you will allow that love to just flow over you and say, Father, here I am. I confess I've been a getter. I confess I've been greedy, covetousness. I, I confess... I may have been stealing in many ways I didn't even realize. Father, nothing's hidden from your sight. At work, you know I've been stealing. I've not been honest. I've not been real. I've been excusing. I've been justifying. Father, you know the areas in my life where I've been robbing you. But Father, this morning, I just want to be real. I confess my sin. I need you to change my heart from being a getter to a giver. Father, help me to to understand that the resources you bring into my life aren't just for me. It's for those that you bring into my life who have real needs. Father, give me the joy of blessing others. Give me the joy of giving to others generously and cheerfully. Thank you for the abundance that you have brought into my life. Father, change my heart in this area. And right now I remember that Jesus gave his life. That I would be saved, be born again into your family. And if you've not put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Put your faith in Jesus this morning. 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the privilege to bless others around us in our community in this world by being givers and not just getters. Amen. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. 
message today what has the Holy Spirit been saying to you have you been convicted of theft what has he really been saying it's a powerful message I want to I want to be sure and put this up early we have an email prayer at ovcfchurch.org I want you to reach out to the Lord he so badly doesn't want us to rob him of an intimate relationship with him this is what he wants more than anything he wants our heart he wants us to communicate with him to know that he loves us and to know all of the blessings that he has for our lives the messages that we learn from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians A little history in that. Go back and read Acts and Paul's third missionary trips to Ephesus. It was a deplorable society that these folks lived in. Uh, Worship of false gods, witchcraft, sorcery, any number of crazy things. It doesn't matter what it is that was robbing him of uh, our praise and glory for him. He wants our hearts and he wants a relationship with us. And again, I just, uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in. We thank you and appreciate you so much for wanting to hear the truth through the Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship. Uh, We broadcast this from the well. We long for the day that we can all be back together here. But our church family has grown immensely by this online and it's going to stay in that way. We're going to continue to produce this in the future. And we want to bring his love to you. When you email and you've got somebody in your life that uh, you'd like us to pray for, you needn't be specific. The Holy Spirit knows who it is that you're talking about. These emails don't go to some obscure place. They come to the elders here at the church and we pray for each and every one. We pray for you. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you do not have an intimate relationship with Jesus, please reach out. Please let us pray with you, for you, contact you. All of this can be done through this, through this email. Again, we just thank you and praise you for joining us, and we look forward to continuing to provide you the truth of God's Word. Thank you.